Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Okay, this is new. Um, it may not be new in that if it doesn't work out, you might not get a chance to see me or VJ for that matter. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to get hip. I'm trying to catch up with the big boys and get this video thing working because, you know, we are so handsome, you know, depriving the populace of our appearance. It just isn't right. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So here, we, <laughs> obviously enough, you see, I've got VJ Jones with me. And here again. Uh, you know, and I'm glad, you know, VJ just the other day says, you know what, when the hell are you going to do another podcast, dude? And uh, he's absolutely right. I just, I've kind of gotten away from it. And I've got comfortable getting away from it. And uh, I kind of miss it. I kind of miss being able to communicate with people from afar and on a global scale. So this might be a double treat. I'm back. I've got VJ with me, maybe a triple treat. VJ's here, I'm here, and you can see both of us while we're ranting about stuff that may be important, some things maybe not so important. So take it away, VJ. What are we going to talk about? Well, I thought, um, you know, people have addressed it, but since you are the, uh, the brains behind my training and um, a lot of people's training, I thought it'd be cool to address uh, the new changes to Spartan Race, the... Um, the distance changes the standardization across um, all of their distances. Um, that includes the amount of obstacles in races. And I think the obstacles that we'll see in races. So um, having a little more uh, information about that, I guess we could dive into how to train for those distances. And um, I know that I'm gonna be trying to specialize a little more. And I think um, as the sport progresses, and as the athletes get better, you're going to see more people start specializing towards what they want to focus on. So um, thought we could touch a little on, on all of that. Okay. It's just kind of a broad stroke there. All right. Well, uh, let me give you my two cents and then we can turn it into a conversation. Cool. Uh, and I've given a lot of thought to it. Um, first of all, the, the, the thought that came to me today, this is kind of a, revelation kind of a new thought it's like when i guess baseball is an american sport american pastime and it became internationally famous and, and I, maybe it wasn't i don't know who came up with baseball did we come up with it um it's a very american thing 
It's, right, it's, I know. Well, so of I would, course, we we try to claim everything that's on our soil. That's true. But but I mean, you know, the Hispanics are huge with baseball. The Puerto Ricans, the Cubans, and the Japanese, and so I don't know. Uh, I want to be careful when I say that it, it was an American pastime or sport that we created or contrived. But where I'm going with this is that when baseball was created, when football was created, um, most all sports, when they were created, they didn't change their game in order for a shot at the title, so to speak, to, to go to the Olympics. So where I'm going with this is like, I get it. Dealing in kilometers is an international thing. And we're kind of still stuck in the dark ages with miles and temperature and stuff like this. But um, I mean, I, I just got off the phone with one of my clients lives in Australia. and I catch myself speaking in miles and I know that's, that's almost uncomfortable. I mean, they got to figure it out. Like talk about the temperature, <laughs> they got to figure it out. And it's almost not fair, right? Because we're stuck in this quagmire with our, our little thing and not, not willing to change. But where I'm going with this is that when the sport was created, the uniqueness of the sport, <clears throat> the beauty of the sport was the trademark inconsistency. Like you showed up at an event, you don't know what the hell you're facing. You know, it could be longer than, than uh, uh, portrayed. They could add obstacles, remove obstacles, uh, decide what type of terrain to throw you in. And that, I think that's part of the mystique, you know? And I know that DeSena is bent on trying to get this sport into the Olympics and cause it to be legitimate as a sport. Um, but I almost wonder if it's a bad idea to try to bend to get into that position. Uh, the thing is, he's not trying to get OCR into the Olympics. He's trying to get Spartan Race into the Olympics. And he's, I, I'm pretty sure he's openly said that. So that's um, just a dream. That's not going to happen. You're not going to have something like Spartan Race show up in the Olympics with fire jumps and, and throwing well, you can't brand it. and stuff like that. Right, you can, you can, exactly. The Olympic Committee is not going to allow a brand to come in and own part of the Olympics. That's not going to happen. <laughs> For sure. So, uh, and I know uh, Ian Adamson has been working really, really hard to get into this uh, international format and get it out there. Um, mm. I mean, really invested himself heavily to try to orchestrate this international phenomenon as, as a legitimate sport. Um, but I think that they need to take it as it comes. First of all, if it goes into the Olympics, it's not going to be across the board um, three different events. They're not going to have like a sprint race. They're not going to have a, they're just not going to give the, the uh, OCR community that much, you know, playtime in the Olympics. They're going to probably pick an event distance. Like uh, with, with triathlon, it's basically international distance. So now they refer to it as the Olympic distance. Right. And, you know, they're going to pick a distance and they, and they can do that and they can fashion, they can fashion an event, an OCR event for the Olympics that is standardized, but I don't think it requires that everybody needs to kowtow to that process in order for somebody to get the yayas out and get to the Olympics. 
because I don't think most people give a hoot um, whether it gets to the Olympics as much, you know, as they want to have a chance to compete with their friends and, you know, all, all the stuff that comes from this sport really doesn't have much to do with getting to the Olympics. Am I wrong about that? At all. I mean, um, yeah, so Spartan race has always had that, you know, that unknown and, um, always having to adapt to these new challenges and that's been kind of their thing. So I don't think they're trying to standardize so much to, um, you know, make all the races the same because, you know, there's always going to be the varied terrain, the varied layout of obstacles. But um, I, I don't, you know, I actually don't know what their goal is with um, standardizing everything. I guess they want to get towards like an Olympic type thing, but obviously Spartan couldn't do that because they're a brand and not like a, uh, you know, organized by a federation or anything like that. So uh, at least it gives a little more structure as to what we can be training for because before, you know, it, you didn't know if you were going to be signing up for an eight mile super or a 10 mile super. And for me, there's a huge difference between those two distances, at least right. from, from my training standpoint. So um, I like that there's going to be some consistency there and, you know, 5k, 10k and half marathon is, pretty standard across a lot of sports uh, or at least uh, in 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 running even from trail to road 5k's 10k's and half marathons pretty standard so joining in there um i think that's great and in most uh someone made this point to me the other day that even in track and field it always doubles when you move up to the next like that next event so there's like the 100 the 200 the 4 the 8 the 16 there's yeah the, well i mean like indoor like high school hurdles or something but you get the idea it always it always doubles there's not a, a two-third marathon or a three-quarter marathon there's the half marathon and the marathon so that that's the main complaint i would think that people just don't like that there's such a big jump from a 10k to a half marathon but then again like if you can get through you know the 10k obstacle race odds are you can make it through a beast and it's just a different kind of training which is why i'm going to focus on the shorter stuff but i totally get where you're coming from and uh, and i wouldn't argue for a moment what your aspirations are for what you want to do because clearly you're far more successful in the shorter distance events right. um but taking another turn on the concept I think that if they're going to change it up, I think they should change it up um, for their own sake, not for trying to get into something that you know is beyond us. What I'm talking about is I like like a four mile event for the sprint. Mm -hmm. I like like an eight mile uh, distance for the super and like a 16 mile distance for the beast. And what I just did is I doubled it up, right? Four, right. eight, 16. And you go to the ultra beast, it's easy to create 32 miles and then end up being uh, an ultra. Uh, where right now, it's kind of frustrating in that you go to a beast event somewhere, if they decide to do an ultra, they got to get some kind of silly loop in there somewhere because the, the course wasn't scheduled to be designed for an ultra um 
uh, yeah. just my thought. So, and, and I think an eight mile is definitely in your wheelhouse, a four mile definitely in your wheelhouse. And, you know, maybe in a couple of years, if it's still worthwhile, you know, we start looking for you to go longer. Um, but I, I just think you should revel in the, the success you have when you stay in the shorter distances. Yeah, I, I mean, if you look at the life uh, of a, a running athlete, you know, in college, the longest event I think you can do is like a 10K, right? So um, people focus on that. And then if they decide to go pro in track and field, they're still racing 5K, 10K in track and field. And then um, as they progress, you see them start, as they get older, they transition into, you know, the half marathon, the marathon, or some might go towards trail running and mountain running, whatever. But it always starts with building, you know, proficiency of the shorter distances. And I'm just, you know, I like racing and I want to be able to race the beast and all this stuff. But um, I think if I'm going to reach my full potential and, and I think a lot of people are, are starting to see this, especially in, uh, in Europe, where people are starting to specialize and some are more short course obstacle racers and some are more focusing on the longer stuff. Um, so I'm going to try to focus in on some of the shorter things. And as I, as my career goes and my volume builds, I think um, it won't be too much to ask to race a beast right. when that time comes. Well, so like on the specialization, um, I think there's need for that because I, you know, you know, I, I have clients that come to me, just ad hoc, they're random with their approach. And they'll say, okay, so I got an ultra beast coming up. Would you get me ready for the ultra beast? And, and then two weeks before the ultra beast, they'll come up with, oh, by the way, me and my friends want to do this sprint or the stadium race. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> that doesn't work. I mean, all the things that we've been trying to do to get you ready to, to go long, it's a, it's a contradiction to try to develop this shorter capacity ability. And I've done this and, and they're just, they're just taking it as their season pass comes, you know, they, they buy the yeah. season pass and then they start looking at opportunities to, to take advantage of the pass. So, so like friend calls you up, Hey, there's this race. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'm in, you know, and that's their training schedule. It's like they have no real, um, direction in approaching these events and so i i think the probably one of the first things that people need to do and by the way i'll do this all the time with clients they'll email me their list of uh goals events that they want to participate in and i get my my you know my marker out and i start scratching events off their list <laughs> so you know that doesn't work next to this and this doesn't work next to that and pick you know okay here's five of them that i think you might want to do uh there's three of them in here that i think you need to get rid of pick and choose okay let's let's narrow this down and let's get into a focused training regimen where we can get better at those events and um it's a frustrating affair when you get i just got off the phone with somebody that's like uh oh by the way i got this half marathon next week and <laughs> by the way she just finished a week-long um, race in Sri Lanka. It was one of those rickshaw races. That's what it was. Oh, my gosh. So try to imagine this little three-wheel motorized cart where you and a partner are in it, 
and it's almost like one of those, uh, you know, those uh, comedies where everybody's trying to get from one place to the next, you know, and, but there are these little <laughs> rickshaws and the rickshaws don't hold up very well. So you have to repair them and, you know, the whole thing. Um, but that was her training for the half marathon. And like, wow. you know, you sat on your butt in that little rickshaw for a week. And then you come off that thing and you got to take about a day off or so because of the travel. And now you want to do a half marathon. And I'm not one to really train survivors. I, I, and you could do that by yourself. You know, you don't need a coach to, to train you to survive an event. Mm -hmm. You just got to keep moving. So anyway, my, my rant to here is that um, the specialization is important. I think that when people make up their mind uh, of what they're best at and they want to focus on what they're best at, Let's get that knocked out. I mean, if you want to shift gears later and try something different, you want to shift to more of an endurance-based type of training modality, that can happen, but it's going to take some time. Uh, I'll give you a prime example, and he's not going to love me for saying this, but I'll do it anyway. Hunter McIntyre calls me up and says, look, I'm going to do the uh, CrossFit Games. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to get in, and I'm going to do it you know, on a wild card. I'm, I'm like, dude what what are you doing <laughs> and he was so bent on doing it he spent an entire year focusing on crossfit activities and lifting heavy and really kind of divorcing himself from endurance and he mm -hmm. goes and then when it's done whatever happens i want to turn around and go to your uh, or the uh, spartan world championships i said you realize how hard that's going to be that's and he had an argument that I couldn't avoid. He said, hey, look, it's going to make a great story. And I'll never forget that because I thought, yeah, you're right. It will make a great story. Absolutely. What do you do, right? You spend a year changing the way your body functions. You're developing a tremendous amount of fast twitch fiber activities, really limiting and minimizing your capacity to have endurance. Um, even just with the heavy lifting, I think it corrupts your movement patterns when you're trying to run well. Um, but now it's a rebuild. I mean, if you want to go back to, to racing well and being competitive in OCR, it's, it's an, an entire new rebuild. Like you rebuilt to be able to do CrossFit, you've got to rebuild to uh, participate in OCR again. And, yeah. and so I don't know if people look at that. They, I don't think they realize that they're in this constant tug of war with – trying to be one thing and not really investing enough time to really adequately be that thing and then turning tail and going back the other direction. So the ropes just like back and forth, back and forth, they end up right where they were. They don't really excel at anything. So. Uh, I can definitely see that. And, um, you know, earlier in the year, this year, I was uh, really focusing in on, on like that super distance. That's what we were working towards because we were getting ready for a bunch of supers in a row for the national series. And then as soon as I got kind of caught up in, you know, beasts are coming, I started trying to change towards that. Um, and I mean, there's not a huge difference there, but it was enough to where I kind of, I, I felt those changes really happen where I don't have the speed now that I had, you know, in say March uh, of this year when I started changing over in August, really trying to focus on, you know, that beast distance for Tahoe and everything, it, it, it just, everything kind of changed. And that's not as drastic from going from, uh, you know, CrossFit to back to obstacle racing or anything, but 
um, just a small change like that can definitely um, corrupt your ability to to focus in on that one thing while trying to spread yourself thin across so many distances. Right. Well, I think for you, you know, in your case, um, gravitating towards the shorter distance events, um, even possibly getting involved in some trail racing just to, you know, really build on your skills running, um, the type of track workouts we do, um, mm -hmm. the things we can do in the lab and just really hunker down and focus on, being unbeatable uh, on the run because the advantage I think you have is that it's not so much that you're always going to be the fastest guy that shows up at the, at the, the start line, but the combination of your obstacle proficiency and your speed is, can be unbeatable. I really believe that because you own the obstacles so well coming off the run going into the obstacle, coming off the obstacle, going into the run. I think you do that better than most. And I think if your speed was up just thanks, a Coach. little bit, huh? So you argue that? Well, I'm, I'm not arguing. It, not at all. No, You're complimenting me. I'm not going to interrupt I, I'm, you. I'm not even complimenting <laughs> you. Dude. I'm just telling you the truth. Uh, you know me. I mean, I just tell you what I'm thinking. And so I just honestly believe that if your focus was in that realm, that it's, you'd be really, really tough to beat. But when you start, you know, getting lost in it, and um, it's almost like people goad you into doing the long stuff, and it's, and, you know, people even even bagging on you saying you can't go long. I think that uh, um, I don't want to say they're right. I, I I'm absolutely convicted that you can do it, but you can't do everything. You, you, you if you wanted to go right. long, you'd have to focus on going long. If you want to if you want to do the shorter stuff then you need to focus on that. And, you know, there are people that would like to make the argument, look at like guys like uh, uh, Ryan. Um, Which one? Atkins. <laughs> Ryan Atkins, Atkins, you know, he goes from a sprint, he goes to an ultra distance event, 24 hour events. He's all over the place. And honestly, I, I don't know that, well, I'm pretty concerned, I'm pretty convinced it's not the, the best decision he could make. Um, well, I mean, he's a, he's an amazing athlete and he's super well-rounded, but since he spreads himself so thin, I don't think we're ever going to see just how good he could be if he were to just focus on, well, it's you know, just like say, the, comedy, the long or the short. Yeah. The comedy made uh, coming out of uh, OCR uh, nationals that he would, he, you would have been in second place for that three uh, K had he not done what, whatever the hell it was he did. Uh, leading up to this thing i'm like well that's just yeah, bad I mean, planning you know i mean let's <laughs> listen i'm not i'm not you know doing any smackdown here i'm just honestly coming out with the fact that you who do you blame i mean if you want to go and win an event like that why would you not prepare for that event um or why would you not avoid the things that might cause you to not perform as well as you could if that were the case that's and mm -hmm. again i'm not casting any dispersion. I'm just a guy talking out loud. Um, if, if you told me that you were going to do, you know, uh, a 20 K trail race and in the same week, you're hoping to win the three K nationals, uh, we'd have to fight. <laughs> we'd have to fight. I'd, I'd have to, you know, I'd be trying to smack you down and cause you to see reality is that just doesn't work. 
you know so yeah again that's just a rant so speaking of ocr uh worlds and uh nationals and that kind of thing uh, i'm starting to believe that that might be the direction to take now i know that you're committed to again i don't want to get you in trouble but i know you're committed to spartan right now and you're on the pro team and whatever but um i really believe that when this all shakes out um an organization like theirs where they're not claiming anything other than providing an event you know what i mean um i don't believe they require that you wear their shirt when you get on the podium do they no they don't <laughs> so uh yeah yeah for sure but um yeah speaking of you know next year and, and focuses um starting to hear some rumors about the u.s national series and where that's going to end up which is kind of my main focus that's on the spartan side of things but i am looking to branch out a little bit and go towards um other brands but also towards the end of the year when it comes to championship season i don't want to be trying to spread myself thin you know trying to do a beast and then also trying to compete in these shorter events so um obviously I had a little success in the 3k this year so gonna focus in on that and a little now success that a little success yeah so um now that there's like two ocr worlds i guess um there's the adventure ocr worlds that um is coming back to the u.s gonna be in stratton vermont and then there's now the um official supposed like federation OCR put on by World OCR that's going to be in Sochi, Russia in September. Um, and they're that's both Ian going Adamson, to have a right? 3K. That's Ian Adamson in World OCR putting that, the, the FISU, FISU something, World Championships. But there, there's a lot of weird stuff going on with that. And now there's two events in the year called OCR World Championships. So that's interesting. But um, both are going to have a 3K short course event. Um, and then the, uh, yeah, so that's, that's really good for me. Have and they discussed I think, um, prize money? Um, I know prize money um, for an OCR world should be at least 5,000, if not more, for the adventure. I'm not thinking that there is prize money for FISU World Championships because it's supposed to be we can get into that later that's a whole conversation it's like the olympics separate. and the um, amateur that we can touch status. on after this yeah it's it's supposed exactly uh, something like that but um i have some information about it i'm going to talk about it after but back to 3k that's what i'm going to focus on later in the year but um the national series is going back to the format of having um i think all the distances so they're going to have sprints and they're going to have supers and i think they're going to have one beast in the series but also from what I've heard is that there's only going to be one beast and they're bringing back the drop race. So in theory, um, if I'm not planning on doing any beasts, which I'm not, we could show up to practically two sprints and two supers in the series and really smack down a little bit and uh, not have to do the beast at the end of the series and still do really well. Yeah, right. yeah. So, Operates being, you can opt out. 
Yeah, so they're taking your top four scores out of five races, basically, and that'll be your your basically what it had uh, last year, like in twenty uh, twenty eighteen. This is twenty nineteen now. <laughs> All right, cool. I think that's I think that's uh, that's a wise decision. Uh, I don't think that it should be mandatory to compete in all the events. Um, I think it just should, should be about the scoring. You know, you either get the points or you don't. And you, you make sure. your best decisions to whatever events it is that you're going to feel like you can make the most points. <coughs> all right. So uh, we just, we talked about going to talk about off season. Um, oh yeah. I have some that. strong feelings about off season. Um, I'm sure you do. Well, you have strong feelings about most things. <laughs> you know, that comes from being really old, you know? <laughs> when, you're, when, you're, when you're young, you're not sh too sure about anything. So you're just like, well, I don't know. It's okay with me. Um, uh, but, you know, an old man has got to be convicted. He's got to have an opinion, right? But so For sure. when I say strong feelings, it's not like, okay, you gotta, you got to agree with me on this. See, that's, the, that's not what we're talking about, but... What I'm suggesting is that I think a lot of people are confused about what an off season is. And so I've heard two types of off season. Now, we'll, so right. I've heard the take a bunch of time off, let yourself recover. And some people will do that for, you know, um, like a month or two and told like maybe even stop running and do another sport, like start doing cycling or some kind of cross training, something like that, but totally toned down. Um, and then I've also heard the maintain what you have and kind of work on your weaknesses, but keep the volume that you're still at and kind of carry that through. Um, what is, what's your outlook on, on which kind of well, approach there's to a couple stay running to or to drop it off? Well, first of all, back up a little bit. There's a couple things to consider. <clears throat> when you speak of off season and you're talking from a general perspective, you have to consider who the audience is, right? Uh, most people in season don't really do that much work. They might race often, but they really don't train hard and consistently often. So when I look at the amount of work you're doing, then the amount of competition you're doing, then we can start considering how much we need to pare back the work. But let's just say on a typical basis. Now, you realize that I have had enough experience in the sport at this point working with athletes where I'm, I'm in their head. I'm looking at what they've been doing. I'm, I, I'm you know, my training peaks account. I can see what kind of volume they're getting um, on a typical basis, how much racing they're doing. But let's just take a, a guy that has got spotty training where he might be running maybe, maybe, maybe about 20 miles a week average. Well, I don't think you need to recover from 20 miles a week. Uh, I think you never really got to this pinnacle in your training where it's time to taper. It's where you got to, okay, this has been a lot of work. Now I need to shut it down. Now, I could tell you in this sport, there's probably a handful of guys that have been thrown down, putting the work in, and for them just to divorce themselves from any uh, um, regimented training might be a really wise decision. Like, you know, getting on your mountain bike or swimming or rollerblading, I, I don't know, anything else, but wearing your grip out and 
and you know just trying to maintain your volume i don't i don't know that that's an appropriate thing to do um like in your case for example uh, even in your case you you mend pretty well for the training you do i don't think that you've put in so much work that we need to really shut it down and you know you know gather ourselves and 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 you know kind of ramp back up come january i don't think that's what we need to do at all i think that uh in your case and i'm only using you because you're here right in your case yeah. <laughs> well you know i i'm trying to use a good example and so in your case um i think you could snap back pretty well but to me an off season is one of two things it's like if you're truly putting in a lot of work and you're racing a lot and you need to get away from it a little bit you should but for most people, I think it, it's, it's a time where with no pressure to compete, I'm not going to schedule any events until my off season is over, whatever that might be. Uh, it's generally predicated on when the last racing you did was. But um, then you, you sit back and you, you try to take into account uh, what your pitfalls are. Where are your weaknesses? What could, be we, what could we work on with no pressure to improve leading into the next season. And for most people, running is definitely on the list. And not just worrying about volume, but how you run. You know, obviously coming from me, you expect me to say this, mm -hmm. but clearly you can't win if you run like shit. You know, I mean, we, we tease about that all the time, but the, it's true. I mean, if you don't run well, you are not going to be able to put in the training that you need to compete well because you're going to end up injured. Most people will run hard. Intensity is going to provide you with injury if you don't run well. And I, you know, you know this as well as I do. Everybody in this sport gets hurt. Everybody. Yeah. It's a matter Definitely. of when. And you know, when I, when I get these calls from people, and this is my day job, I get calls from people all the time. Dude, you know, I got this Achilles issue. I got this foot problem. I got my back problem. They're, they're whining about all these problems they're experiencing. And the first thing that happens when they come to see me, we put them up on the treadmill and I look at the way you're running. And a lot of times I'm like, dude, just stop that right now. Just, just don't do that anymore. And let's just break it down and let's try to learn how to do this right. Because we, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. And if you don't sure. know that you're hurting yourself this way and you're, you're feeling like your lack of speed or performance is tied to the fact that you're not throwing enough intensity or volume into your work, that just manifests into greater problems because you're, you're beating your head against the wall. It's not gonna get better until you change it up and get it into a better, uh, more fashionable, reasonable process of running. And so uh, I like to think that for a lot of people, on the off season, focus on the run. By the way, last year, the program I did, uh, the, we called it the Crush the Run program. Uh, it was an off season program. I'm doing one right now, by the way. The off season program, um, I told people there ain't gonna be any strength work in this training program, other than functional strength that's gonna work on your ability to run better. And we focused on developing the metabolic processes and working on the running mechanics and people were killing it. And they went straight into the season 
gunning for bear. And one guy in particular, a uh, client of mine that's up in Edmonton, Canada, a guy's name is Dylan Pullman. I'm, I'm bringing his name to light because it's fresh in my mind and it's such a cool story. Uh, he raced, you know, in Edmonton right now, uh, you know, I got clients up there that are taking pictures of the moose in the, in the frozen pond while they're trying to run and it's like, you know, snow to their knees already. And it's going to be like that. And it's actually going to get to a place where they're not going to be able to run outside at all. It's going to be too damn cold. And so they're indoors working out on a treadmill for about five months. And, you know, living in California, you just can't even imagine what that might like be. But I mean, literally, you cannot go outside. You can't run outside. You just freeze to death. Um, I mean, talking 20 below zero. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he, he finally came out, had a great OCR season, got on the elite podium uh, on a couple different races where he had never been on an elite podium before and awesome. decided, you know what, let's, uh, let's run a marathon. I've always wanted to run a marathon. So we very carefully shifted away from the OCR and started going into building the volume to prepare for this marathon. And our goal was for him to run a three-hour marathon. And he ended up running a 247 marathon for his first wow. marathon. Wow. Yeah. And, and I, I like to credit that accomplishment to the base work he did in the offseason. And when I say base work, I'm not talking about slowing down and just you know, easy-peasy running all the time but just really getting into a very methodical and very well-written training program on the off season that allowed him to stay fresh, allowed him to get the work done, allowed him to hone in on the skill sets and bam, he's killing it. Now we're going to go back to OCR and he's probably going to go long since that's kind of in his wheelhouse right now. And mm -hmm. I think he's going to do amazing in Canada. Yeah. Like that's, that's an awesome story. I mean, um, I'm not going to run a marathon because that's well, I don't, I don't want it at all. I can't even imagine. But, um, but yeah, I mean, um, I remember that first crush the run group and yeah. um, the people that did the work really, really saw results. Like I remember, um, what was his name? Anthony Korea. Yeah. That guy was just like super stoked with all the results that he saw. And I, I see him in a lot of the races and he's just like, doing so well he put him to Dallas. bouncing back he did he the, yeah he was on the podium at dallas heck yeah yeah, he, yeah he's killing it like uh, he guy. made a couple of mistakes here and there that uh that cost him he's aware of them uh he's in my program right now um we have we're another off-season program but it's it's designed to go long it's going to go to a 50 kilometer distance um wow. but he actually he's done all the programs uh, when he started seeing the progress he was getting from the first program, he just kept buying into the programs as they, as they rolled out. You know, what's really interesting about that, by the way, people are going, what program, what program? Um, it's kind of undercover. Uh, there's, we have a private page. People that are in that program, our conversations and all the, the results that they're getting is, is held privately. It's not being shown in social media unless they decide to go out and make a comment somewhere. But it's like uh, once you're in, you're in. It's like a club and nobody gets to see what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like that because uh, then you get to focus, right? You got a group that's training together, doing the same work together, helping each other out and, you know, with a goal in mind. And so, as you suggested, when they come out the other side of that, they kill it. They absolutely kill it.
Cool. Oh, um, but we're done racing right now, right? Got nothing coming. Oh, um, we got trail races. Well, I'm not like uh, I don't plan on like training up for the races. Like I just kind of want to um. So I kind of did a, a a middle ground between what you're uh, talking about off season wise. Like, um, I just backed my running down to like two days a week, and then I was mountain biking like two or three days a week as well. Um, and I took like four weeks straight off after Tahoe, um, not really doing much. Um, and then I did that race this past weekend, just like because it was close to home and 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 whatever, and it was fun. Um, but I do have a couple more races this year. Like I'm going to head up to Sacramento um, in the middle of November. And um, we have the Los Angeles um, sprint weekend that uh, I always like doing. But I don't see the need to really like train up and, and try to hit those races hard. It's just something I want to do because I, I love racing and it's fun. <laughs> just going to start running again here and trying to build up my volume and, you know, become – a better runner overall so that's the main focus in the off season so so yeah you, i, don't know I, I guess ever, you, you know all about what i'm doing yeah i don't know if i ever shared this with you but i had a conversation with uh, leo manzano uh who took the silver medal in london at the olympics for the uh uh was it five i think it was 5k now what was it uh it wasn't a mile i can't remember what the distance was but uh, I remember him, you know, if you see the video, when he got the silver medal, when he was coming around the final turn with about 100, maybe 150 meters to go, uh, he passed like six guys to take third. Wow. Or no, to take second, right? That's amazing. Yeah. And you know me, uh, I'm like, Leo, why didn't you do that earlier? You could have got a gold medal, right? Because you were just <laughs> yeah. you were chopping these guys up, and I, you were like rode off. You you were like in seventh place, seventh eighth place, until the final, you know, final turn of the of the race. He goes, "Oh, you know, I'm very proud of my accomplishments. I had a great race." And I'm like, "No, dude, just another fifty meters short of that. If you'd have pushed, you probably would have gotten the gold medal." Um, so I guess what I'm talking about here is, um, well, Leo Manzano said to me that all of his comrades, all the guys he trains with on his team, on the Olympic team, and the guys he races with, race and trains with in, in, uh, uh, Texas, um, they're putting in about 120 miles a week on average. He puts in wow. 40. Leo doesn't run past 40 miles a week. Wow. And, and he told me, and I loved him for telling me this, but he told me that when I put my foot down on the track and I start my workouts, it's always quality. And if I find anything is a little off or amiss, I stop immediately and I try to figure out what it was that was happening and try to sort it out because I'm not going to do anything that's corrupt just for the sake of doing the work. And so with his success, winning a silver medal at the Olympics and getting a fraction of the volume that, that his uh, compatriots were getting, I think, uh, uh, I think that's something to think about. So I guess the message I'm trying to lay down here is that quality running is more important than just putting in the volume. And quality running could be a long run. 
and quality running could be a, a mile, it could be a 200. Um, but always focus on the, the way and the methodology of your approach and build on that. And then whatever happens, happens. When you start feeling comfortable getting up to 50, 60 miles a week, if that's what it does, that's what it does. But if you find you're struggling to tr just try to make a number, uh, I think you're, you're missing the point. That's, that's my words of wisdom for the day. That's good. I'll, All right, uh, well, look. Um, I'll, I'll write it on my wall. It's kind of long right on your wall, don't you think? Oh, then I'll, I'll put a, re a recording or something. I'll just get a little one of those live picture frames and have, have a video of you giving me a we'll, speech every morning. We'll turn it I'll into my alarm. We'll turn it into a song and then it'll be like a little wake up song. <laughs> I think we've done enough ranting for the, for the, for the short term, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. Um, hopefully some people have a better idea of a little bit of off season. Um, and then, you know, getting some focus for, for next year instead of uh, spreading themselves so thin. I mean, most people, they're just going to want to race and they're going to race all the races and get their trifectas and stuff like that. But when, you want to start winning races. You want to get on, you know, your age group podium, your elite podium. You want to really start um, seeing that performance come through. I think um, the next evolution in the sport is going to be seeing the specialization from athletes. Absolutely, um, I think so. Yeah, and I, I have to tell you, by the step. way, when people uh, when people reach out to me, uh, I, I think there's two camps. There's people that are afraid to reach out. They might I think that they're um worthy they're not like competitive you're pretty league. scary man well, i know i know but but my point <laughs> being is that then you, then you got um the other side of things where um i guess where i'm going with this is that i've got guys that reach out to me and they need to train they want me to help them to get to a better place and then they turn mm -hmm. around and tell me that they're that that well you know i really want to do this with my friends and you know, Susie's not that fast and I'm just going to help her. And I'm like, you don't need me for that. Right. If you want to just have that kumbaya experience with the racing, you don't need a coach, you know, just go out there and have fun with it and do what you're going to do. And, and I think that's amazing, but um, you don't need to be an elite athlete to have a coach. If you're trying to get better and you're really trying to achieve something in the sport, and that could mean anything that could mean like, you just want to be the best you you can be. You want to win an age group. Mm -hmm. You feel like you can. You want to win an elite caliber event, whatever it might be. Then you definitely need to get outside yourself. It's really wise to have a coach in your corner. And those, I think, are my last words for this podcast, other than to say thank you, VJ, for coming on with me. And I will mm -hmm. see you Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.